My Seven Chakras, episode 167. You are the sky and everything else is the weather. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, action takers? AJ here, founder and host of My 7 Chakras, the show where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that you can use to change your life. This is one show where we are certain that failure is the stepping stone to success and that energy is all around us. And once again, I'm back at your service to bring you another inspiring episode that is sure to change your life. But before that, as you guys know, I really love Instagram. So if you haven't already, make sure you follow our account, my seven chakras to get notified about latest episodes and receive inspiring posts that will uplift you. I have one question for you today. What is it one reason that you are happy right now? Is it because of someone special in your life? Maybe a special magical moment that you enjoy today? Maybe you're excited about a new phase in your life. Whatever it is, post a picture, tag me using the hashtag My7Chakras and tell me that one reason that you are happy right very now. This will only take a minute, but this post will make the rest of your day even better. Once I get notified, I'll check your post and maybe even read out your post on air. So click a pic, tag me and let's make your day even better. And with that, we are now ready to welcome our very special guest for today, Travis Elliott. So Travis are you ready to inspire? Yes, I am. Wonderful. So Travis Elliott is a world-renowned yoga instructor, meditation teacher, Kirtan musician, and certified Ayurveda practitioner. He teaches his signature holistic yoga flow classes in Los Angeles and in workshops and retreats around the world. So Travis, welcome to My 7 Chakras. That was a short intro about you, but take a few extra seconds and tell us a bit more about your fascinating story. Well, yeah, you know, I, I've been teaching yoga uh, for about 12 years now. I've been practicing yoga for about 15 years. Uh, but really, my, my journey, uh, I would say, began when I was nine years old. So I was exposed to uh, meditation at a very young age. My, my mom would hand me these cassette tapes, and I would go and do these guided meditations, uh, you know, alone in my room. And we just have these amazing uh, experiences of really awakening and, and expanding my perspective. And, uh, you know, I feel like that was the time when the seed was planted, uh, that there's uh, many, 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 many different ways perceiving our reality. So that started, you know, I think a, a set of events into motion that later led me to become a yoga teacher, meditation teacher. Uh, kirtan musician, Ayurvedic practitioner, as you said, and uh, also proudly married and the proud father of two beautiful kids, Lantana and Bodhi. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing that with us. And like we always do, let's begin with some inspiration. I'm curious to know, what is your favorite inspirational quote and how do you apply that quote to your day-to-day -day life as well? Well, first of all, I'm a very huge quote fan. So 
anytime I come across a, an inspiring quote, I have a, a little notepad in my phone and I always write down quotes. I believe that quotes are very inspiring and motivational. And one of my favorite quotes that I've really been resonating with a lot lately is a quote by the meditation teacher Pema Chodron. And this particular quote says, you are the sky and everything else is the weather. And so what I like about this quote is it tells us that our true nature is limitless. It's eternal. It's, it's infinite like the sky. And so the weather represents our symbolic of thoughts, feelings, emotions, people, places, and things. And all that stuff is like the weather, and it's all in a state of, of flux and change. And so as we take this seat of the witness, we expand out, and we don't become so entangled within all that stuff that is in that state of, of flow and change. So uh, I really feel like that's a powerful quote. Wonderful. So I really, really love this quote. You are the sky and everything else is the weather. So thanks a lot for that wonderful explanation. You said that our true nature is limitless. The weather might keep changing, but no matter what happens, the sky is there to witness it all. That's right. You are there to witness it all. And it's really up to you what story you make out of it, what narrative you draw out of the weather and whether you use that narrative to serve you or to bring you down. So I think that's really inspiring and has set the context for today's interview. And with that, uh, let's dive in. Travis, what is your definition of yoga? Well, you know, there's many different definitions of yoga. I mean, uh, yoga comes from the Sanskrit word huge, which means to, to unite or to yoke. So we can say yoga means uh, union. We could also say yoga means skillfulness in, in action. I think ultimately, though, it, it means uh, unity. It means oneness. And so that can be to unite with a higher power. It can be to unite with breath. It can be to unite a breath uh, with a movement. So, yeah, unity, union, oneness. Wonderful. So I love your explanation. And I love the fact that you mentioned that yoga is skillfulness in action. So what I got from it is basically action that is towards unity and oneness and a practice that allows you to unite your breath as well as movement. So thanks a lot for putting that into perspective. Now, for someone who's new to the energy centers, what exactly are the chakras? Well, the chakras are... Well, let me tell you a brief story. Uh, there was a, sure. a time I got to go to Bali, and uh, I took a, a group there for a yoga retreat. And on this retreat, one day we brought in a local uh, shaman. Mm -hmm. And so the shaman came, and he would do uh, what he called a, a chakra reading. And so one by one, students would go up and see this, this shaman, and he would hold these, these metal rods up. And he would point them at each one of the chakras. So chakra literally means wheel. And in the tradition that I've studied, uh, just like the name of your show, there's considered to be seven chakras. And so he would point these metal rods at each one of the chakras. And these metal rods could do one of three things. They could either swing outward and expand. They could stay neutral and be parallel to each other. Or they could actually close in and cross. And so what he was able to do was he was able to see 
whether people's chakras were open, closed, or neutral. And so the seven chakras are said to hold what's called our karmic DNA, so that when we are created, uh, we bring with us from potential past lives this karmic DNA with us into our, our next or new incarnation. And that's very much the, uh, the source of who we are. And so we have the Muladhara chakra, the root chakra. We have Swadhisthana. We have Manipura, uh, the solar plexus, Anahata, the heart, the shoot of the throat, Ajna, the, the third eye, and lastly, at the crown of the head, what we call the Sahasra, or the crown chakra. Wonderful. So thanks a lot for that. Action Tribe. As Travis mentioned, chakras are our karmic DNA. And I love your story that you told us happened to you in Bali. You brought in a shaman who did chakra reading. He held out these metal rods and pointed out towards the chakras. And the rods would either swing outwards, stay neutral, or close in a cross. And through that, through the motion of the rods, he would know and he would find out what state the person's energy centers are in. So, really fascinating. Uh, now, I'm curious to learn uh, about the connection between the chakras and yoga. Well, you know, when we talk about yoga, you know, yoga can be many things to many different people. So, for some sure. people, yoga can mean uh, a physical practice or, you know, the, the asana practice. And for a lot of people, especially in the Western world, that's how they get into yoga. They get into it. Uh, for those physical reasons. As people begin to deepen within their yoga path, they realize very, very soon that there's much more to yoga than uh, just the asana. And so they start to go deeper. In subtle yoga anatomy, we have what's called the, the five koshas. And these koshas are considered to be the sheaths or the layers of our being. And so our on the outer level, we have the Ananamaya Kosha, which is the physical body. So that's our muscles, our bones, our organs. Underneath that, we have uh, the Pranamaya Kosha, which is the energetic or breath body. Underneath that, we have Manamaya Kosha, which is the layer of the mind and also the heart and the emotions. And then underneath that, we have Vijnanamaya Kosha, which is our, our higher self. And then the last fifth kosha, all the way at the very, very, very core of who we are, is what's called the Anandamaya kosha. And that is where the chakras reside. So when we work with the chakras, we're connecting into the very, very essence of who we are as human beings. And so in yoga, we can work with these very, very powerful bija mantras or sound vibrations that help mm. us to tap into each one of the chakras. We can also visualize the color that's related to the chakra, and that helps that chakra to spin like a wheel in a balanced, even, steady way. Well, that was an amazing explanation. You wonderfully and so rightly said that many people get into yoga for the physical reasons initially, the asanas. But as they progress, as they get more experience, they get into the subtle anat anatomy and the five koshas, which you wonderfully stated as anamaya kosha, the physical, pranamaya, energetic, manamaya, the mind, 
Vijnanamaya, our higher selves, and then finally the Ananda Maya Kosha, the place where our chakras reside. So that is really fascinating. Now, one of the practices that you also focus on during your sessions is pranayam. So for someone who's new to yoga, what exactly is pranayam? Well, pranayama is amazing. I mean, it it's amazing when you shape your breath, mm-hmm. you begin to shape your mind. So the breath and the mind are deeply related. So pranayama is you know, considered to be one of the eight limbs of yoga in the Patanjali Ashtanga yoga system. So pranayama translates uh, into the expansion of life force or breath control of life force, energy, and vitality. So we work with these, these breathing techniques and these breathing exercises to begin to tap into our prana, to our energy. And when you think about it, energy is what fuels everything. It's what fuels our body. It's what fuels our mind. It's what fuels our heart. It's what fuels the entire universe. So we want energy. And the more energy that we have, the more that we can fulfill our dharma which is our highest path. What did we come here to do on this planet to be of service to humanity? And so when we do pranayama, uh, the very first part of pranayama that we work with, because there's four parts of the breath, you have inhale, and then you have retention at the top of the inhale, and then you mm-hmm. have the exhale, and then you have the retention at the bottom of the exhale. The first thing that we work with is mastering the exhale, because when you learn how to exhale properly, that sets the stage for the inhale to uh, become powerful and efficient as well. Once the student masters those first two stages of the breath, then we can start to work with the pauses or the retention of the breath. And you just start it gradually and slowly. And over time, the, the student begins to master their breath, and that helps them to master their mind And then guess what happens when you learn how to master your mind? You begin to master your life. Wow. So like you mentioned, it is one of the eight limbs of yoga and translates into the expansion of life force. Prana is life force. And through this practice, you're expanding your life force. Through breathing exercises, Action Tribe, you basically tap into your prana, your energy or your chi. And that energy fuels into everything that you do. And once you have more energy, especially if you're able to tap into the power of your mind, it enables you to fulfill your dharma for your life. But the first thing, as you mentioned, you focus on teaching a person how to exhale properly and then move into other aspects. Is that correct? That's correct. Wonderful. So, Travis, I'm curious, what can someone expect from attending one of your live yoga classes? They can expect a, a holistic experience. So they can expect a class that will address all the koshas that we talked about. My classes, you know, mostly what I teach is uh, a class that is inspired by uh, power yoga. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, a strong athletic, moving meditation. And it's also going to be infused with pranayama, meditation, mantra, (laughs) inspiring quotes, stories, all these things that uh, hopefully leave the student uh, feeling like they're firing on all cylinders. 
Absolutely. And one of my best experiences with yoga is if it's, you know, mixed with asanas and stories and philosophies as well as music. And speaking about music, for someone who's new to this space, what exactly is kirtan? Well, kirtan sometimes translated into call and response or sometimes to sing. And so kirtan music comes from India. And, uh, you know, I had the incredible opportunity to go to uh, a place in northern India uh, mm-hmm. called Vrindavan. And Vrindavan is said to be the, the place where, where Kirtan really originated. And typically you have a, a Kirtan wala or singer that sings a, a mantra and then there's a group that will sing it back. And so it just goes back and forth, back and forth. And so for people that have never experienced kirtan, sometimes I'll, I'll ask them to recall a time when they went to a, a concert, when they went to their favorite concert. It could be a, a rock concert or whatever it is. And there's always that, that one point in the concert where the, the singer sings a phrase and then the whole entire crowd sings it back. Mm-hmm. And it's just electrifying. It's like one of the highlights of the whole entire concert because you, as the audience member, you feel like you're a part of the music. And so kirtan is like that the whole entire time. The audience and the kirtan band uh, really get to merge together. They begin to uh, unify together, uh, which, as we said, is is really what yoga is. Yoga is the unity. Wonderful. So instead of just observing, the audience now gets to take part and become a part of the creation of that experience. That's right. That is Kirtan. Wow, that's amazing. So uh, Travis, over the years, are there any misconceptions about yoga that you've come across? You know, I, I think that every style of yoga has its place in the world. And I don't think that it's my job or shouldn't really be anybody's job to uh, really judge or, or criticize, you know, different styles of yoga. You know, so um, in my mind, all the different yoga paths and yoga styles are all valid. And the reality is, is that some people, when they get introduced to yoga, they're just going to get introduced to just the physical part of it. And that's sure. okay. And some people, they want the they want the spiritual part and they don't want anything to do with the, the physical part of it. My particular take is uh, in alignment with, you know, what Patanjali talks about in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, which is that each one of the eight limbs of yoga is equal to each other and that there's not one limb that's more important than the other limb. And that if we are really dedicated to walking down this yoga path, I believe that we should really work within all the limbs of yoga. Fascinating. Now, uh, could you talk to us about the very first time that you heard about the chakras? What was your reaction like? You know, for me, it was like maybe because I got introduced to meditation when I was so young. Sure. To me, uh, and I think that that was probably when I first heard about the chakras actually was around that age. I'm sure that I popped in a cassette tape and the, the meditation teacher talked about the chakras. So for me, it was never mm. it was never a question. Like I never doubted it. I never thought that it was weird. It just made 
a lot of sense to me and it still makes a lot of sense. So, you know, I think that these energy centers, they absolutely exist within us. And we know that because we have the, the, the meridians and the nadis mm -hmm. that flow out of the chakras and come up towards the superficial areas of the body. And, you know, I've seen so many people that have worked with these chakras. And when you work with them, their external life or reality really begins to shift because they're working at transforming their internal reality. It's probably why Gandhi said, be the change that you want to see in the world. You start with mm -hmm. the inner and then the outer and the external begins to calibrate to that. Beautiful. So thanks a lot for sharing those amazing stories and those quotes as well, which are so inspiring. For someone who wants to build some momentum today by taking some action, what is that one action step that you'd like to give our listeners today? Uh, you know, the first action step, if you're interested in, in yoga, is first of all to figure out again, what style of yoga you want to do. So maybe, mm. maybe you're somebody that's interested in, uh, in taking your physical body to a higher level of strength, suppleness, and energy. Find a yoga class and go to that yoga class. You may not love the, the first teacher that you go to, and that's okay. So keep searching until you find a teacher that, that you resonate with. You can also go on YouTube and there's you know, great yoga practices on YouTube. That's free. You can do it at home. And adversely, if you're looking at getting into, you know, maybe more of the philosophical or spiritual aspects of yoga, then do the same thing. You know, find a, a good meditation app or uh, meditation practice as well on YouTube or type in the seven chakras and, uh, and you can do that. I, you can also check out, I have a, a, a whole yoga program that I created called, called the Ultimate Yogi. And within that Ultimate Yogi program, uh, people will get access to uh, many, 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 many different aspects and nuances of yoga. Action Drive, to access the show notes for today's episode, visit our website forward slash 167. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 167. It is not that I'm so smart. It's just that I stay with problems longer. This is an amazing quote by Albert Einstein. Action Tribe, you don't have to be smart to overcome challenges. You need to have a reason. You need to have a purpose. You need to have a why. When you first look at a problem, it may seem almost impossible. But if you keep trying, if you change your approach, if you change your mindset, then over time, the problem will not only seem different, it will also seem easier to overcome. The key, as Einstein taught us, is to stay with problems longer. So Travis, I'm having a tongue-tied <laughs> moment today. So Travis, I'm sure that you are no stranger to challenges in life. So talk to us about one major life challenge that you've experienced. How did you encounter it? And then what do you do to overcome that obstacle? Well, you know, I think that uh, I think that challenges are always uh, a blessing in disguise, and I think that you could call planet Earth the planet of challenges, and not uh, any of us escape that. I think on a daily basis, part of the human experience is being put in challenges because challenges are there to help us grow. Uh, so, for myself, 
my biggest challenge that I've ever faced was when I was on the island of Kauai and I was doing a hike up the Nepali coast, which is a very remote part of the island that's uh, pretty far from civilization. And when I got to the end of this hike, uh, I landed in an area that was a, a really stunning, beautiful beach. And around this beach were tons and tons of signs that said, caution, do not go into the water. Warning, do not go into the water. If you go into the water, you could drown, you could die. But me and my ignorant state didn't heed the warnings of those signs, and I still went into the water. And when I went into the water, I got sucked out into this massive uh, surf. And these huge waves just started picking me up and dragging me underneath the surface. And very quickly, I started drowning and panicking because I couldn't get out of the grip of these waves. And so I started to question very, very seriously if I was going to uh, make it out of this situation. And at one point, the current was dragging me towards the edge of the bay where there are these huge black jagged rocks. And I remember as I was heading towards these rocks thinking, oh, great, not only am I going to die drowning, but I'm also going to get my spine broken in, in the process. And one thing very, very interesting uh, flashed through my mind around that point, and that was um, that I didn't think about anything other than the people that I loved in my life and the people that had loved me in my life. So in other words, I didn't think about my job. I didn't think about my career status. I didn't think about any objects that I had. All I could think about uh, were these relationships that were full of, of love. And eventually I got dragged down towards these rocks and I got thrashed on top of these rocks over and over and over again as if the universe was just uh, beating the, the, the shit out of me. And eventually I blacked out and um, was about to sink underneath the water. All the fight had been uh, really expended out of me. And right when I was about to go underneath uh, and surrender to, to death and dying, somebody had grabbed me. So there was a person that had swam out when they saw what had happened and they were just waiting for me to get away from these rocks and they ended up uh, saving, saving my life. And so eventually we were able to get back onto shore and I came out of that experience with a whole new perspective on my life, you know, that uh, life is short and that everything is impermanent. We never know when our time is going to be up, and we have to find carpe diem within every single breath and action and thought and moment of our lives. So thanks a lot for sharing that story with us. I know going back to a time in the past, especially a time associated with challenges is never easy. But if you had to give one major life lesson to our listeners based on the story that you just shared with us, what would that one lesson be? I think that, you know, in the end, it's just all about love. And so if you're, if you're investing all your time and your energy into materialistic uh, possessions and 
uh, all this external stuff, you might find that you end up regretting that. And although those things are important and we need, we need that to function within this world, I believe that in the end, uh, it's, it's going to be all about love. So whatever it is in your life that brings you to that place of love, which is mostly within our relationships, I think that the more that we can uh, tap into that, the more healthy and happy and joyful that, that we will be. So once again, thanks a lot for sharing that story with us. You mentioned that planet Earth is a planet of challenges, which I'm sure that everyone can relate to. And it's truly a part of the human experience. Uh, you told us about your story when you were hiking the island of Kauai. When you got to the end of the hike, you saw a wonderful, beautiful beach. You were alone and you noticed that there were danger signs of not swimming in the water, but you went anyway. And lo and behold, you got sucked into the massive, huge waves, those dangerous waves, and you started drowning. Uh, and on top of that, the waves were taking you towards the massive, projecting, dangerous rocks. So you were not only worried about drowning, but also wrecking your spine, which I'm sure is an experience that nobody wants to have. And at a certain point, you blacked out uh, because you had given up physically as well as mentally. During that phase, you had a flash. And that flash was about people that you connected with in life, people that you loved and people who loved you. Not the materialistic stuff, as you reminded us, but you had that flash that was about true love. And luckily for you, somebody had noticed you on the waves and came to rescue you and brought you back to the shore. But when you came back to the shore, uh, you were a changed person because you realized and you taught us today that at the end, it's all about love. Who you are, not really what you have, although what you have is important because it helps you live here on earth. But at the end of it, it's all about love. So thanks a lot for sharing this really uh, inspiring story. My pleasure. And Action Tribe, life is full of ups and downs. Sometimes you're sad, worried, anxious and tired. And the next moment you're elated, you're happy, you're excited and you're victorious. And this cycle makes life interesting. But always remember, nothing just happens. Whether you believe it or not, the universe is on your side. It's always sending you nudges and signs and clues to help you on your journey. Through practices like meditation, yoga, Reiki and Qigong, you learn to receive these messages and trust them. Because like we're learning today, the universe is kind. The universe is loving and the universe wants you to evolve. And as Eckhart Tolle once said, life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. So Travis, as on today, what is your life's calling? Uh, my life's calling is to uh, spread yoga to as many people on the planet as possible. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now, going back in time, was there ever a defining moment, a moment that really changed things for you? Yeah, there was. I mean, uh, we talked about the, the uh, Kauai incident. About a year after that, I went on a yoga retreat to Thailand, and I was on this beautiful island called uh, Koh Lanta. And at the end of this yoga retreat, I was, you know, I was a student on this retreat, and the uh, teacher invited me to stick around and start teaching yoga. So for myself, I'd never uh, planned on becoming a yoga teacher. I was very happy just being uh, a student and just felt so passionate about all 
things yoga and just wanted to, you know, live it as much as possible. After um, saying yes to sticking around and teaching yoga, I just started teaching and I hadn't done a, you know, a yoga teacher training course or anything. So it was something that, you know, I had to just teach from what I knew, what my experience was. And I had to teach just what I was so passionate about. And then a couple of weeks after teaching yoga, that big tsunami of 2005 hit the island. And so once again, uh, you know, I had this uh, kind of close call with death and witnessed the tsunami and, uh, you know, uh, watched all this, this destruction and, and death. And that was my defining moment. When that happened, I remember closing my eyes, bringing my hands to prayer and praying to the universe and saying to the universe, I hear you loud and clear. From this moment on, I will go and I will teach yoga uh, in whatever way that I can and just be of service to humanity through teaching all things yoga. And then from then on, it was game on. That's amazing. So thanks a lot for sharing. Now, Travis, I noticed on your website, you host numerous really inspiring and fascinating retreats around the world. I think you have something happening in Southeast Asia at the end of this year. And then early next year, you have something in Iceland. Is that correct? That's correct. We'll be going to uh, wow. <laughs> uh, Thailand uh, for New okay. Year's Eve. So last last New Year's, we were in Kerala, India, which was amazing. And then we went to Spain last spring. And then we're going to Thailand this New Year. And then we'll be going to Iceland in May. So these yoga retreats have really changed my life when I was a student. And now I get to pay that forward to other students. So for someone who is up until now just attended yoga classes, what is the difference between attending a live yoga class and attending a yoga retreat with other folks? Well, you know, a yoga retreat is amazing because, you know, you get to travel somewhere. So the moment you step out of your, your bubble, mm-hmm. uh, that in of itself is already powerful. So you're going on a retreat somewhere where it's beautiful, it's inspiring, it's uh, another culture, and you don't have to worry about all the, all the stresses that you have back at home. So sure. you don't have to worry about paying bills or driving or, or cooking meals. All that stuff is, is really taken care of for you. So that's one component of it. And then on top of that, you know, you're doing, uh, you know, two yoga classes a day and you're meditating and you're around like-minded people. And so what happens in that kind of environment is that big shifts and huge transformation begins to take place. And I always tell people that uh, a week-long yoga retreat is the equivalent of doing six months practice back home wherever you're from. It's that powerful. Well, that sounds amazing. And with that, we've arrived at the very last round for today, the wisdom round. Which basically is four rapid fire questions so that our listeners can take action right away. So, Travis, out of all the advice that uh, you've received, what is the best advice that someone's ever given you? Best advice I've ever gotten is anything is possible. Even the word impossible says, I'm possible. So name a personal habit that keeps you going. A personal habit is 
is to do every day something that helps me to grow and something that helps me to give. As they say, the key to living is growing and giving. So what is your morning routine like? Well, every every day honestly is a little different, but you know, uh, an ideal uh, morning routine would be wake up, first thing upon waking, just give gratitude uh, for whatever's coming that day, give gratitude to the sacredness of life, that's huge. And then, you know, I believe the first thing you put into your body is hugely important. So I'll, I'll try and put some sort of like, you know, greens uh, into my body. You know, I like a supplement called Green Vibrance and it's just a powder and I chug that and that helps to get, you know, probiotics into the body and vitamins and minerals and just make the body alkaline. And then uh, shortly after that, it's about getting on the yoga mat and just, you know, moving through a yoga practice. And, you know, the yoga practice just depends on how I'm feeling. So if I want something strong, I'll do a strong practice. If I need something gentle, I'll do that. At, at the end of that class, then it's time to meditate. And, you know, for me, that'll be 20 minutes of meditation. And uh, after the meditation, I'll work with affirmation and mantra. And then uh, after my morning sadhana is done, you know, eat something healthy. Like for me, might be a, a good bowl of oatmeal with uh, coconut oil, hemp seeds, um, nuts, that kind of thing. And then it's off to go teach a yoga class. And on the way to, to teaching, when I'm in the car, I'll do, uh, you know, vocal exercises because my voice is, is my instrument. It's how I get to share the teaching, share the Dharma. So I got to try and take care of the voice. So that's, you know, that's an ideal morning routine. Wonderful. Now, today you've shared some really profound wisdom with us. Out of all the books that you've read could you name one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today? Yeah, you know, I think because we we brought it up in this podcast, the book I would recommend is the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And there's many, many different translations and editions of it. I recommend the one written by uh, Sri Swami Satchidananda because he takes these, these teachings and he makes it very relevant to uh, modern day times. And so his commentary at times is, is funny, entertaining, engaging. And uh, there's just so much good inspirational wisdom in that book. Action Tribe, once again, to access today's show notes, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 167. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 167. So Travis, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing those Really powerful stories, along with some uh, profound, actionable wisdom. Before you go, tell us something that you are grateful for, and tell us the best way we can find you as well. Uh, I'm just grateful for the ability uh, to create. I believe that the Creator created us to create things, whether that's you know creating uh, a podcast or creating a book or uh, creating life, whatever it is. I'm just so grateful that you know, I get to create. Um, so uh, I feel blessed for that. And uh, as far as uh, staying connected, uh, you can find me on the web at www.travisellyot.com. Elliot is one L, one T, like T.S. Elliot. And uh, 
I hope that, you know, we can connect sometime down the road. So once again, Travis, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the power of yoga, kirtan, the chakras, and the power to create and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. That's right. Thanks for having me, AJ. It's been an honor and many blessings to you and all your listeners. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.